0: I want to invite you to open your Bibles this morning, if you would, to Isaiah, Isaiah, the 33rd chapter, and I want us to look at verse 6. Are you ready for the word? Isaiah 33 and verse 6. Let me wet my whistle. Anybody ever needed to wet their whistle before? Isaiah, the 33rd chapter in the 6th verse, says, Wisdom... And knowledge shall be the stability of thy times, and the strength of salvation, the fear of the Lord, is his treasure. I want you to pay particular attention to that phrase. And wisdom and knowledge shall stabilize your life. Now, I don't think we need to talk about it very much to identify that we live in a very unstable world. And the people of this world literally are rocking and reeling back and forth and very concerned about what's coming upon the earth. And you know, I would be too if I didn't know the Lord. I would be scared. I would be stressed. I would be depressed if I didn't know the Lord. Now the good news is, is we do know the Lord. Amen? But even though we know the Lord, and even though a person is a Christian, did you know that you can still be stressed? Do you know that you can still go to bed at night and toss back and forth and not hardly sleep? Because of the things that are coming upon this earth? And that is a result, really, of a lack of knowledge. See, the Bible says in Hebrews 4, 6, that my people are destroyed For the lack of knowledge. Isaiah 5.13 says it like this. My people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. Now if wisdom and knowledge are going to be the stability of our times in the day in which we live. I'm very interested in getting both of them. I'm very interested in having wisdom operating in my life. And having the knowledge of God in operation in my life. The scripture says of wisdom that wisdom is the primary or the principal thing. So wisdom is available for the asking. And wisdom is available for the looking into the perfect law of liberty. You see, if we lack wisdom, we can ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and it will be given unto us. Amen. So Jesus himself is the personification of the wisdom of God. And Christ is in us and we are in Christ and he has been made unto us wisdom. So the wisdom of God is in you. It's in the word and it's hidden for you and not from you. Now what I want to center up on this morning and wisdom And knowledge. Everyone say knowledge. 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 It shall be the stabilizing factor in my life and in your life. Now, it's good to know the Word. It's good to become firmly established in the Word. But did you know that if you don't know intimately and... uh, Deeply, the author of the word, the word itself, will not cause you to win in life. We need to become firmly, deeply acquainted with the author of the word. Amen? Now look at 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. 2 Timothy chapter 1. And verse 12. Father, we thank you right now for this time that we have together. Speak to our hearts. Minister by your spirit those things that should be said and must be said in this time we have. And we give you glory for it now in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said amen. Amen. Notice with me in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. Question, did the Apostle Paul suffer some things? Everywhere that he went, it seems like the enemy stirred the people up to try to stop the word from coming out of him. See, Paul had some real awesome revelation. And so he would go to a city, he would go to a town, and the religious leaders of that day would not like it, and Paul described it as a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan sent to buffet me, lest I should be exalted because of the abundance of revelations that has been given to me for the churches. See, the enemy does not want revelation knowledge getting into your heart. Therefore, he did his level best to stop Paul. They tried to stone him. They put him in prison. While he was in that Roman prison, he just, bless God, got more revelation because he had more time to wait on the Lord. And he wrote the book of Ephesians where he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And he's laying there in that prison and the Roman soldiers are looking down on him and he looks at their armor and he begins to talk about the armor of God. I'm telling you, you may try to put a man of God in prison, but the prison will never get in a man of God. And so the apostle Paul, he suffered some things. He battled some things. You and I will suffer persecution. We will suffer. The flesh in the natural realm will suffer because of the word of God in our lives. I'm not talking about suffering sickness and disease. I'm just talking about suffering the fact by, by virtue of the fact that you live in a physical body. And this world will press you. But here's what Paul said For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know, I love that, for I know whom I have believed. Paul didn't say, I know what I believe, yet he did know what he believed, but what he believed came as a result of who he believed in. He had a personal relationship with the father, a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, knowledge began to be dispersed in his life. And he said, oh, hallelujah. I know whom I believed. And as a result, I am persuaded. Amen. I'm persuaded. Persuaded of what, Paul? Persuaded of this fact that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. My dear friends, this kind of persuasion doesn't come overnight. This kind of steadfastness, this kind of stability in the knowledge of your Father and of Jesus Christ comes as a result of progressively pursuing him. I said it comes as a result of progressively pursuing Him. Not casually. Not every other day, but every day. 365 days a year. Come on, somebody. Seven days a week. 24-7 having a pursuit of God. Oh, thank you, Lord. So he says... As a result of knowing whom I have believed, it has brought a great, fully persuadableness about me that it doesn't matter what they may throw against me. I know that my God is for me and I know that he is working everything out in my life. Amen. In the book of... Romans chapter 8. and You don't need to turn there. Paul said. He said. I am persuaded. That neither life nor death. Nor heights nor death. Nor any creature. Nor any thing. Shall be able to separate me from the love of God. Which is in Christ Jesus my Lord. So he was persuaded. Listen. This is a huge key. For us having a stable life is get to know Him. Get to know Him. Spend time with Him. Know Him. Fellowship with Him. Turn with me to Job chapter 22, verse 21, and I want to look at that in the Amplified. Job 22, and notice with me in verse 21. Get acquainted with him. Get acquainted with him. In Job 22, verse 21, in the Amplified, it says, Acquaint now yourself with him. Agree with him. And show yourself to be conformed to his will. And as a result, you will be at peace. And by that you will prosper, and great good shall come unto you. Now notice this with me. Follow this through with me. Track with me. He said, if you will take time to spend quality time with me, if you will get acquainted with me, if you will come to know just not just the word, but me. And if you will make the decision that whatever I say you will do. If you will make the decision to be not conformed to this world, but conformed to my will. Some things are going to come your way that wouldn't come your way if you didn't do what I told you to do. But because we're doers of the word here at the heart of the bay and we're acquainting ourselves with him. The Bible says we will be at peace. We will be at peace. I said it earlier, this world is stressed. This world is worried about how they're going to pay their bills. This world is worried about their physical bodies. They're worried about their babies. They're worried about where they're going to live and how they're going to make it. But God says, look, if you'll get to know me and you will walk with me and you will be conformed to my will, those issues will not become preeminent in your life, but the peace of God that passeth all understanding is going to keep you and take you all the way home. Woo, glory to God. Now let's read this together. I am not so interested today... In getting through a lot of notes as much as I am interested in having a deposit in you. And so this theme of the, of the message this morning is get to know him. Let's read this together. Ready, read. Acquaint now yourself with him. Agree with God. Show yourself to be conformed to his will. And be at peace by that you shall prosper. And great good shall come to you. Be at peace. Amen. You will prosper. That's right. yeah. And things will be good. No, he said, great good. There's a difference between how you're doing, I'm doing good, and how you're doing, man, I'm doing great. There's a difference between good coming to you and great good. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Now, I, I, think it's, I think it's very interesting. And we can just keep that scripture up here for a moment. I think it's very interesting that peace and prosperity are tied together. Now, how many of you remember a preacher by the name of Billy Brim? Not Billy Graham, Billy fill it to the brim with brim, right? B, as in boy, R-I-M. Now, Billy said that the word peace there, of course, in the Hebrew, it is shalom. Look at your neighbor and say, shalom. And you know, if we had a Strong's Concordance, we could, we could show you all the definitions of shalom. One is prosperity. One is well-being. Another word for peace is health. But I love the definition that Miss Brim gives. She said that peace means nothing missing. And nothing broken. Now listen. If nothing is missing. And nothing is broken. Isn't that great? <laughs> I mean if nothing's missing. You know how many of you have ever had a nice great big Thanksgiving meal? Now the last two years we've gone down and saw John and Lindy on Thanksgiving. But mama still cook. You know what I mean by mama still cook? Mama's still in the kitchen cooking up her cornbread dressing. Mama's still in the kitchen making that gravy. And when mama is in the kitchen, great good is going to come unto me. And on your Thanksgiving table... And on my Thanksgiving table, I know mine for sure, and I hope yours. The Thomas clan can surely say, nothing missing, certainly nothing broken. And God's got a table spread for you. And yes, it's in the middle of your enemies. And yes, there's turmoil on the right and turmoil on the left. But oh, you got a place at the table. And he says, come son, come daughter, dine at my table. There's nothing missing on my table. And there's surely nothing broken on my table. So why don't you get to know me just a little bit so that great good can come unto you. Oh, Jesus. So let's look at this again. Now let's feed on this a little bit. I'm encouraging you to get to know the Lord. I'm not only encouraging you, but I'm encouraging myself. Because this is a progression. From the time we get born again, really throughout eternity, oh, we'll get to know Him more and clearer and deeper and greater. Acquaint now yourself with Him. Agree with him. Show yourself to be conformed to his will and be at peace. And by that you will prosper and great good shall come to your house. Now go over to Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1. And I want us to notice here the greeting that the apostle uh, Peter had as he wrote this epistle of Second Peter. And by the way, Second Peter one is loaded with revelation. I mean it's good stuff. It's good eating. Now notice with me in 2 Peter Chapter 1. Are you are you awake over there? All right. 2 Peter Chapter 1. No, I didn't see anybody sleep. I just wondered if y'all still here. Y'all still here or you going home? Notice with me, 2 Peter chapter 1. Come on, somebody shout glory. Glory. Hallelujah. Man, we could just camp right out of that. Peace and prosperity is coming my way because that's what the Lord has to say. Peace and prosperity is coming my way because I know Jehovah. He is my God in every way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now notice, 2 Peter 1, verse 2. Let's read it together. Ready? Read. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Read it again. Grace and peace will be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. One more time. Grace and peace shall be multiplied unto me Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Okay, now look, let's break this down. Grace, which is favor. Grace, which is the operational power of God. Grace, which is amazing. And grace, which will cause you and enable you to stand. And grace that will cause you to live a victorious life. That grace didn't say it will be added to you. But it will be multiplied. What's 5 plus 5? What's 5 times 5? Which would you rather have? $25 Twenty five dollars or ten dollars. See, grace being added to you is the ten. But oh when grace is multiplied, it's the twenty five. And it's grace upon grace, and it's grace for your race. And it's layers and layers of grace. It's more grace. It's being multiplied unto you every day of your life. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. I need His grace. But now, pull that back up here. Let's read it again. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you the of God and of Jesus now keep that there the word through there means that's the vehicle okay I came from Union City to Hayward today by the vehicle of Brenda's car <laughs> that's what got me through The vehicle that the Lord uses to multiply His grace, His favor, and His shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken, and prosperity is through the knowledge. Do you see that? Do you see that? It's through what? It's through the knowledge of your Father. The knowledge of your Father and of Jesus your Lord. Now, let's talk about this just for a moment. I thought somebody said that knowledge will puff you up. And that it is charity that will edify you. Yes, that Greek word in Corinthians that knowledge puffs you up, basically, is a word that simply means an opinion. An opinion. Having an opinion. Opinions are up here, are they not? Yeah. And you know, it's, it's real easy to get sort of high and mighty and prideful about some things we know. But you don't really know them until they go from here to here. So in that sense, knowledge can puff one up. But that's not the Greek word they use here in 2 Peter 1-2. The Greek word over in Corinthians where he talked about knowledge puffs up is opinion. But the Greek word knowledge there, listen to this, is epi Everyone say epi-gnosis. Epi. Now you can go home today and say, what did you learn today at church? I learned Greek. Epinosis. Epinosis is beyond opinion. Epinosis is what you know here. Epinosis is an exact, it is a intimate, it is a deep discernment, it is a full knowledge of him. Which comes through fellowship. Which comes through getting to know him. And so this grace and this peace can be multiplied unto you and to me. Through the full exact knowledge of God our Savior. Now with that thought in mind turn with me to Philippians 3. Philippians, the third chapter. You getting anything out of this today? Again, the bottom line of this message is get to know him. Get to know him. In uh, Philippians, the third chapter, and I want us to start at verse seven. Just a little backdrop on the Apostle Paul. How many of you know that the Apostle Paul was not always the Apostle Paul? Just like Mark Thomas, you know, the Christian preacher was not always Mark Thomas the Christian. Before it was Mark Thomas the heathen. Amen? But a great light shone one day on the road to Damascus. (laughs) Come on, somebody. And that light was brighter than the noonday sun. And the Apostle Paul fell out under the power... And on that Damascus road, he had an experience, and he went from darkness to light. He went from Saul, the persecutor, to Saul, the born-again, spirit-filled, revelation-filled minister of the gospel. Now, before Paul, he described himself, I am a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I am... The Hebrew of the Hebrews, he was a well-educated man. But he educated his mind at the expense of his spirit. And throughout the years, this Saul of Tarsus persecuted the church of God, put many of them to death. But now, he said in verse 7 of Philippians chapter 3, notice this. But what things were gained to me at one time, those things I count them lost for Christ. You know the things that you think you can't let go of? If you could just see what's on the other side of letting go of the world, you'd do it like that. He said, verse 8, yea doubtless... I count all things but loss. Now we're talking about knowledge. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And do count them but dung. You don't need a translation for that. (laughs) That I may win Christ. In other words... Everything B.C. is rubbish. Everything B.C. is dung. And he says, I am so glad that I received Jesus. Because this excellent knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, is changing my life daily. Notice with me in verse 9. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, which is of God, by what? Righteousness does not come by works. Righteousness comes by faith. Now I want you to notice the amplified version of verse 10. Philippians chapter 3 verse 10. In the King James Version, he says that I may know him, there's that word know again, and the power of his resurrection. Now look at the Amplified Version of that. He says, for my determined purposes, this is something that the Apostle Paul was vehement about. He said, this is my determination. He did not say my biggest determination in life is to have the largest ministry in the Middle East. No. He said my determined purpose is this. That I may know Him. That I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with Him. Perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person, listen, more strongly and more clearly that's multiplied. Yeah. Yes. More strongly and more clearly is grace and peace being multiplied. Yeah. Keep that there. I want to become intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing. And understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. I want you to keep that up there for a moment. One way that you can get to know him more intimately is to study the word. And to look at what some of the names that he's known by. You know, in the Old Testament, he would have several names that he was known by. One of the first that pops into my heart is this. He is El Elyon. Not El Elyon. El Elyon. E-L-E-L-Y-O-N. Everyone say El El Elyon. Now, El Elyon means the Most High God. And Paul is praying... That he would become more deeply and intimately acquainted with the multifaceted, multidimensional wonders of his person. Amen. And his names reveal such a multifaceted viewpoint of his character. Amen. El Elyon, the most high God. Now, the devil is the most low. Yeah. But. Our Father is the Most High. And what the enemy wants is he uh, he wants us to live beneath our rights and privileges in Christ. So that our life in the natural seems like we're on a low low in disease, low in poverty, low in circumstance. But God says to us today, come on up higher get to know that I'm the most high God and that I've already raised you up together to be seated with me in heavenly places and I will take you from the lowlands of those circumstances and I will bring you to a place in me to where you soar high above them. That I may know him. Another name that God is known by is El Shaddai. El Shaddai means the almighty one. El Shaddai means the one that is able to nourish all of his children at the same time. El Shaddai means the God that's more than enough. And so, as you look into this perfect law of liberty, and become acquainted with the word, and be acquainted with the person of the word, through knowing his names, you will come to a place where you understand that your Father is more than enough for you. Now notice this. The wonders of His person, more strongly and more clearly. Read the rest with me. And that I, in that same way, may come to know the power outflowing from His resurrection, which exerts over believers, and that I may so share His sufferings As to be continually transformed in spirit to his likeness, even to his death in the hope. Notice this phrase. And that I in the same way may come to know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which exerts itself over believers. So see this in the word today. That as you know him, as you're acquainted with him. You can expect his resurrection power to show up in your life. Amen. Amen. Two more scriptures quickly. Jeremiah chapter nine, verse 23 and verse 24. Jeremiah chapter nine, verse 23 and 24. I'll just read this one to you. Thus says the Lord. So who's speaking? The Lord. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Don't let the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glories, glories in this. That he what? That he understands and knows me. That he understands and knows me. Wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of your times. Paul prayed that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of our calling. He prayed that we would have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Oh, glory to God. That's my prayer. Now, look at Daniel chapter 11. And notice with me in verse 32. Daniel 11, verse 32 We are living in a day (laughs) where we are going to see things we've never seen before. We are living in a day where we are going to see God show up and show out like never before. We are living in the time of the former and the latter rain. Where the former and the latter rain are going to come together. And all we got to do is follow him. If we will follow the Lord, he will take us right into the deluge of signs, wonders, and miracles. Now notice in Daniel 11 verse 32. It says, and such as do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt by flatteries." Say, that ain't me. That ain't. But notice this last phrase. But the people that do know their God, what will they be? The people that do know their God, they're going to be weak. The people that do know their God, you know, they're going to be shut up, live in a cave until the rapture. No, No, the people that know their God shall be strong and they shall do great exploits. I've been asked and you've probably been asked, you know, Pastor Mark, Pastor Tom, Joe, you know that. This almost seems too good to be true. Well, it is true because God's good. But how can you be so confident? You, you almost seem cocky. I said it to the early group. I'll say it to this group. There's a difference between having confidence and being cocky. Cocky comes from a spirit of pride. confidence comes from the spirit of faith. I've discovered years ago that I'm neither inferior nor superior to anyone. But I'm not going to shortchange myself through some sort of false humility. Thinking about, oh, you know, I'm not worthy and I can't have this and all this condemnation. Uh Uh-uh. The fact of the matter is you're washed in the blood of Jesus. And his blood makes you worthy. And his blood gives you confidence to access everything that your creator has got for you. So you might be asked the question, well, how in the world can you be so confident? I have four things. Number one, I can be confident because my God is eternal and underneath are those everlasting arms. Number two, I can be confident because his word is forever and God's word don't change. Number three, I can be confident because his promises are sure. Well, I said I was done, but I'm not done. Who give me five more minutes? I'm not going to do 5, 10, 15. I mean, literally mean five minutes. Turn quickly to Psalm 18. Psalm 18, verse 30 in the Amplified. His promises are sure. His covenant is everlasting. His word is forever. My father is eternal. His promises are sure. In Psalm 18 and verse 30, notice this. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. His promises are sure. Read this with me. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tested and tried. He's a shield to all those who take refuge and put their trust in him. Now notice this statement. As for God, His way is perfect, and the Word of the Lord, we could say it this way, it's tried and proven. His Word can be trusted. His Word can be relied upon. Now, this coming July 22nd, Brenda and I will be married for 35 years. 35 years. Now I want to ask, I asked it in the first group today, anybody here been married 50 years or better, raise your hand. Wow. Stand up. Stand up. Let's honor these folks. 50 years. 50 years? Wow. 50 years? Congratulations. I've only got 15 to go. How many years you've been married, PT? 33 years. Wow. How many have been married 30 years or better? You all stand up. Wow. Awesome. Hallelujah. You're probably in your 40s, aren't you? Huh? 46 years. 46 years. Wow. Think about that. Do you suppose... These folks that have been married 50 years or better trust each other? If you don't by now, you better get started. But Brent and I have been married 35 years. We've got a great relationship. We're husband and wife. You know, she knows who's the captain of the ship. There are days when I hear these words, you're rocking the boat, bro. (laughs) You see, our relationship is tested. Our relationship is tried. Our relationship is proven. Okay? We love one another. I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that Brenda will never leave me nor forsake me. Divorce is not part of our vocabulary. Murder has come up. But you just, you just cast that one down, right? I trust her. She trusts me. We trust one another. It's not that, you know, we're above everyone else or anything like that. I'm not saying that. You do have to be aware of the world you live in. Because Brenda's a sharp-looking girl. And uh, the other day we were at the grocery store. And I, this guy kept checking her out. You know what I'm saying. And finally, I had enough of it. So I walked up to the brother and said, you want some of this? (laughs) You don't want to mess with this. No, I really, I didn't. But I gave him a look. And the look was. It's enough of that. It's enough. Don't mess with my mama. You know, so, you know, you got to use wisdom. You know, as husbands and wives, but I know beyond any shadow of a doubt, she will never leave me. She'll never cheat on me. She never has. She never will. I'll never cheat on her. Never will. Why? Because I got a covenant. I got a covenant. It's an unbreakable agreement between two parties that we have made. We have joined our hearts and our lives together and have become one. How much more with our covenant with our Father. Who through blood has made a solemn oath with you. And your father says, all that I am and all that I have is now yours. And all that you are and all that you have is mine. Who do you suppose got the better end of the deal? He that is joined. And we couldn't get into it today because of time. We're going to talk about it next week. About our everlasting covenant. Will make you stable and sure. But he that is joined unto the Lord. Has become one spirit. My father said it. And that settles it. His word is sure. His promise is everlasting. And he has said to you, son, daughter, in the midst of tribulation, through my covenant, I'm committed to defend you, to protect you, to love you, and to support you. Because I love you with an everlasting love. Glory to God. Let's raise our hands and thank Him for His Word today.